Welcome to the Refuge Podcast from Trinity United Methodist Church in Ruston, Louisiana. Our prayer is that God uses this time to speak specifically to you, regardless of where you are on your faith journey. We'd like to also invite you to worship with us every Sunday morning at 1045, either in person or online at www.trinityruston.org. Thanks for listening. Well, this is my last Sunday with you, and I have some real mixed feelings about that, Um, but I'm excited for you. I'm excited for the future of our church, for the new leadership that's coming in. I think you're going to love our new youth director, our new children's director, and I think you're going to love, certainly love our new pastors, pastors Doug and Chris. And I'm going to be talking about that a little bit in my sermon this morning. But let's uh, begin, first of all, by joining together in prayer. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. A few years ago, my wife Kathy and I were driving in the Houston area. We came across a bumper sticker that read, I'll keep my money, you keep the change. I'll keep my money, you keep the change. Now, that bumper sticker was obviously directed against a campaign slogan that was popular at the time. How many of you remember when Barack Obama first ran for president in 2008? Do you remember that campaign slogan, change you can believe in? Well, that bumper sticker, I'll keep my money, you keep the change, certainly expresses the sentiment of a lot of people today when it comes to change. Most of us don't like change. I certainly don't. Every time my wife rearranges the living room, I usually say to her, honey, why do we have to keep moving the furniture around? Why can't we keep it in one place? Now, as uncomfortable as change may be, though, it's a fact of life. To live is to change. People and organizations and institutions which refuse to change become extinct. Now, I'm not suggesting that all change is good. Some change can be debilitating and even destructive. But you know, change isn't necessarily a bad thing. This is particularly true when it comes to a change of leadership. In our scripture reading this morning that Marie shared with you from Deuteronomy chapter 34, we find that the Israelites were experiencing a profound change in leadership. You see, Moses had been their leader for 40 years plus. And now, Just as the Israelites were preparing to enter into the land God promised them, Moses was dying. Moses was dying. You see, Joshua had been ordained to succeed Moses. And you know, that must have been quite a transition for the Israelites to make. To move from Joshua, or to move from Moses to Joshua. I'm sure, though, as traumatic as it was, it was no more traumatic than the change that a lot of churches have to experience after a long pastorate. Now, I'm sure that there were probably some Israelites who thought to themselves that they were doomed because they no longer had Moses to lead them. But let me tell you, God cannot and will not be limited to using one person. If you don't think so, just read the book of Joshua. In some ways, Joshua was an even greater leader than Moses. Because Joshua, as you recall, led the Israelites into many victorious battles when they were hopelessly outnumbered. 
The scriptures clearly and consistently teach that God can use anyone to accomplish God's purposes as long as they're willing and open to being used by God. And that's the key. As long as they're open and willing to be used by God. And you know what's true for any change of leadership is also true for a change of pastors. Well, this morning, I want to share with you three practices three practices that can help smooth the transition between pastors here at Trinity. And we're going to look at each of those three. But before we do so, let me uh, remind you that there's a PowerPoint presentation. And if you're here watching this morning, you can follow along on the screens. Or if you're watching in the comfort of your living room, you can follow along on your uh, Facebook stream. Uh, I believe the uh, PowerPoint presentation is on my right and on the left side of your screen. So let's begin with the first practice that can help smooth the transition between pastors. First of all, let the pastor be the pastor. First of all, let the pastor be the pastor. Now notice in verse 9 we read, as Marie read to us earlier, so the Israelites listened to Joshua and did what the Lord had commanded Moses. You see, the Israelites didn't expect that Joshua should be exactly like Moses. Joshua had a different leadership style than Moses, but God was able to work just as effectively through Joshua, despite their differences. You know, I'm often amused at how many churches demand that their new pastor function exactly like the old pastor. When I first served a particular church back in 1987, I followed a very popular pastor who had served there for four years. And you know, every time I tried to do something new there, I was told, preacher, you can't do that because Pastor Paul did it this way. You can't do that because Pastor Paul did it this way. I was constantly being told that everything had to be done exactly like the former pastor. And you know, it really set back the ministry of that church for several years until I could finally earn the trust of the people. Let me ask you, how many of you remember the story of David and Goliath? Surely you remember that story. Raise your hands. You should have learned that in Sunday school and vacation Bible school. But you know, when David first approached Saul and told Saul he was going to fight Goliath in combat, Saul urged young David to put on Saul's battle armor. And he even dressed up David in a suit of armor with a bronze helmet. But David found the armor wouldn't fit. David told Saul, I can't go in these because I'm not used to them. I can't go in these because I'm not used to them. So David took off the armor, picked out five smooth stones from a stream, and brought his sling. And the rest, as they say, is history. Now the point is, David had to fight Goliath his own way. He couldn't do it Saul's way. And the same is true for your new pastors, Pastor Doug and Pastor Chris. You see, they have to fight the spiritual battles their own way. Don't force them to be something they're not. You know, don't expect Doug to be me or to be Fred Weidman or something he's not. The pastors have to be allowed to fight the spiritual battles their own way. Don't force them to be something they're not. Joshua couldn't be Moses. David couldn't be Saul. And Elisha couldn't be Elijah. God uses all of us in unique ways because our skills are unique. We're not all the same. We all have different strengths. So, 
celebrate Doug and Chris's skills and allow them to use them for the glory of Christ. And you'll share a powerful ministry here together. So let the pastor be the pastor. Don't second guess them. Because I'm thoroughly convinced that God has sent Pastor Doug and Pastor Chris here. So let the pastors be the pastor. That brings us to the second practice that can help smooth the transition between pastors. Second, assist your pastors in the ministry. Assist your pastors in the ministry. Now, while Doug and Chris do possess some unique skills for ministry, don't expect them to do everything. They're only human, and they're going to need your help. They can't do it alone. You may recall the time that Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, once gave Moses a timely piece of advice. Jethro had noticed how Moses was acting as judge for all the Israelites who came to him with disputes. Jethro told Moses, what you're doing isn't good. You're going to wear yourself and the people out. The work's too heavy for you. You can't handle it alone. Then Jethro told Moses to find God-fearing leaders who were capable and honest, and have them judge the minor disputes. Then he told Moses, but you hear only the most difficult cases. That will make your load lighter, because they'll share it with you. You'll be able to stand the strain, and all these people will go home satisfied. You see, Doug and Chris can't carry out the ministries of the church alone. They're going to need your help. And by the way, before I forget... If you have suggestions to make for Pastor Doug and Pastor Chris's ministries, be prepared to help them carry them out, or else keep your suggestions to yourself. To do otherwise will be setting them up for failure. You see, the pastor is like the coach of a team. No team in their right mind ever expects their coach to get out on the court and play. You see, Doug and Chris can train and equip you but you have to get out on the court. Doug and Chris have some great ideas and leadership skills, but they can't effectively lead if you won't listen to them and carry out the ministries. You see, whether you realize it or not, you all are the players, not the pastor. You all are the players. You live in the real world. And you're the ones who have to get on the court and play. The pastor can't do that. The pastor's like a coach. There's an old saying, shepherds don't beget sheep. Sheep beget sheep. You all live in the real world. So you need to assist the pastor in his ministry because the pastor's a lot like a coach. You know, one of my favorite movies was a movie that was released in 1984 called Hoosiers. And it stars Gene Hackman and Barbara Hershey. In the movie, Gene Hackman portrays coach Norman Dale, who was a college basketball coach up in Ithaca, New York, until one day he lost his temper and struck one of the players and was fired. The next two years, he served in the Merchant Marine. But when he got out, he had no job and no prospects for a job. He didn't know where he was going to work or what he was going to do. But one day, he got a phone call from an old friend of his who was a principal of a high school in the tiny town of Hickory, Indiana. His friend asked Coach Dale if he would be willing to coach their high school basketball team. Well, Coach Dale jumped at the chance. He figured it might be his last opportunity at coaching, so he took the job. 
But when he arrives at Hickory, he soon discovers that the townspeople there regard him with suspicion and distrust. They don't trust his big city ways, nor do they trust his coaching methods. They offer him all kinds of advice on how to coach the team. Even his players don't trust him, nor do they trust his game plan. For example, Coach Dale tells them repeatedly, I want you to pass the ball four times before you shoot a basket. Pass the ball four times before you shoot. But do they listen to him? You know, in the opening game of the season, the first half, they do pass the ball, but their heart's not in it. They only do it half-heartedly. And the other team steals the ball from them and makes baskets. And as you might guess, by the end of the first half, Little Hickory is down 10 points. So Coach Dale confronts his team in the locker room. And he says to them at halftime, he says, guys, I want you to carry out what we've been working on in practice after practice. I want to see it on the court. Now, how many times are you going to pass the ball? They say four times. How many? Four times. Four times. But then when they get back on the court and play, they ignore the coach completely. One of their star players, a young man by the name of Ray, ignores the coach. He refuses to pass the ball. He thinks he knows more than the coach. He just dribbles the ball down the court and shoots. Dribbles the ball down the court and shoots, but he never passes the ball. In fact, Coach Dale shouts at him, Ray, set it up, set it up, pass the ball, pass the ball. But does he listen to the coach? No. He continues to just dribble the ball and shoot. And as you might guess, Coach Dale takes Ray out of the game. And the Hickory Huskers lose the game. After the game's over, Coach Dale again confronts his team in the locker room. Only this time, he says to them, I'm only going to say this once. You have the weekend. I want you to think about whether or not you want to play on this team or not. Under the following conditions. When it comes to this team, what I say is the law absolutely and without discussion. And then Coach Dale looks at Ray, and he gets up, and he walks out. Fortunately for the Hickory Huskers, they start listening to their coach. And guess what? They start winning games. And because another star player returns to the team, they win even more games. They win so many games that they make it to the playoffs. They win their sectional finals. They win their regional finals. They win their divisional finals. In fact, they even managed to make it into the 1953 Indiana State High School Championship game. They square off against a high school more than 20 times larger than they are called South Bend. I know because I did the research. It's a true David versus Goliath contest. It looks like Hickory has no chance because they're playing against a much larger and a much more talented team. But in the closing seconds of the game, miracle of miracles, Little Hickory makes the winning shot to win the 1953 Indiana State High School basketball championship game. Now, why do I tell you this story? Well, simply this. What's true for a basketball team is just as true for a church. No church will ever be successful unless it follows the instructions and directions of its pastor any more than that basketball team would. God has sent pastors Chris and Doug here to be the pastors. And they're here to provide the leadership. And we need to work in partnership with them. 
because they can't do it by themselves. You know, it doesn't matter how talented we may be, how smart we may be, it doesn't matter how wealthy, how beautiful these buildings may be or this campus, and it is beautiful. None of that matters if we don't follow the directions and guidance of our pastors. So you need to let the pastor be the pastor. Don't expect them to be something they're not and assist them in the ministry here because God has sent them here. So follow their guidance and their directions. Let the pastor be the pastor and assist them in their ministry. And that brings us to the third and final thing that I want to uh, talk about. The final thing that we need to practice if we're going to smooth the transition between pastors. Last but by no means least, pray for your pastors. Last but by no means least, pray for your pastors. Pastors Doug and Chris are going to need all the prayer they can get. I know. I've been there. Being a pastor is no easy task. If you don't think so, you try it. You try it. No one can pastor a church in their own strength. If they try, they're doomed to fail. Only the strength of Christ can empower and enable the pastors to face and overcome whatever challenges may come their way. The Apostle Paul knew this. That's why he once wrote to the Thessalonian Christians, brothers and sisters, pray for us. Brothers and sisters, pray for us. So, pray every day for Doug and Chris that God will equip them for the challenges here and that Christ will supply them with the spiritual wisdom and discernment to provide the leadership that Trinity United Methodist Church needs. Well, in conclusion... If we want to see a smooth change in leadership, let the pastors be the pastor. Help them in their ministry and pray for them constantly. Whoever has the ears to hear, let that one hear what the Spirit says to the church. Amen. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more about The Refuge and Trinity, visit us online at www.trinityruston.org. 